بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره نعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So in the previous lesson we started discussing uh, the saying in the line of poetry والمؤمنون يرون حقا ربهم that the believers in truth will see their Lord and this is one of two issues that Shaykh al-Islam uh, raises here in this line of poetry the second issue is the issue of an-nuzul an-nuzul Allah's descent we should look at that separately inshallah ta'ala but in the last lesson we started looking at uh, this issue of Allah's ru'ya the believers seeing their Lord with the vision of the eyes on Yawmul Qiyamah. And we explained why this became such a big issue because of the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazila and, the, and their likes. They came and they began to deny these issues for certain reasons. So in the previous lesson we read a passage from Ibn al-Qayyim ta'ala. He discusses this whole issue in one of his books. And after that introduction, we looked at a specific verse in the Quran which relates to Musa alayhi salam. And with respect to this verse, we explained that this verse, if you remember the verse, the verse is in Surah Al A'raf, Surah 7, verse 143. Uh, regarding Musa asking his Lord to reveal himself to him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قَالَ لَن تَرَانِي وَلَكِنِ انظُرْ إِلَى الْجَبَلِ فَإِنِ اسْتَقَرَّ مَكَانَهُ فَسَوْفَ تَرَانِي To the end of the ayah. And on the basis of this verse, we said that this verse is a proof that seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is possible, meaning in the, in the hereafter. And we deduced seven or eight points that Shaykh al-Islam, uh, that Ibn al-Qayyim, sorry, he mentions here. And we explained how this verse is a proof that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he can be seen. And this was the first ayah. We're going to continue, inshallah, from what Ibn al-Qayyim says in this book. And in fact, there are seven or eight evidences in the Qur'an. Seven or eight verses or types of verses in the Quran which establish this belief. So what we'll do for the rest of this lesson, inshallah ta'ala, and perhaps into the next lesson, is read through what Ibn al-Qayyim has written and uh, go through each of these verses turn by turn. So the first ayah that we looked in the last lesson, that establishes that it is possible for Allah to be seen. <coughs> because Musa alayhi salam... <coughs> would not would not ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something which is impossible. If something is impossible, he wouldn't ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. But he asked Allah to reveal himself to him. This shows that it is possible for Allah to be seen. However, in the life of this world, it is not possible for a, for a human to see Allah because he hasn't been given the ability and the faculties in order to withstand, you know, to, to, to be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was the first ayah. The second ayah and the second evidence comprises of a number of verses in the Qur'an and all of them are related to meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you look at the examples in the Qur'an, the first of them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّكُمْ مُلَاقُوحِ Have taqwa of Allah and know that you are going to meet him. You're going to meet him. Know that you are going to meet him. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 223. Then we see 
In Surah Al-Ahzab, Surah 33, verse number 44, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, تَحِيَّتُهُمْ يَوْمَ يَلْقَوْنَهُ سَلَامٌ That the greeting of the believers, when they meet Him, on the day that they meet Him, يَوْمَ يَلْقَوْنَهُ will be salamun, will be the greeting of peace. So here we see again a mention, a mention of meeting, meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of Surah Al-Kahf, the 18th surah, the very last verse, 110. In this ayah Allah says, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ Whoever hopes in the meeting with his Lord. In the meeting with his Lord. لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ Surah Al-Kahf 18 verse 110. And then we see Allah says also regarding a people who have certainty, who have certainty that they are going to meet their Lord. Allah says, قَالَ الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُ اللَّهِ That those who had certainty they said, who had certainty that they are going to meet Allah. So we have in Surah Al-Baqarah again, this is Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 249. So all of these ayat, we have one, two, three, four verses, at least four verses in the Qur'an that make mention of meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this word, what is the noun? The noun is al-liqa. Al-liqa. In Arabic, the word is al-liqa for meeting. And so Ibn al-Qaim say, he says here, he says that all of the people of language are agreed. That all of the scholars of the language, of the Arabic language, are agreed that when meeting, when, when this issue of meeting, al-liqa, is ascribed to a person who is living, who is living, and he is not blind. He, is not, he does not have the defect of being blind. And he doesn't have anything that prevents him then all of the people of language are agreed that this word al-liqa, it means seeing with the eyes. <coughs> right? This is, the, this is the meaning of this word in Arabic. Al-liqa means seeing with the eyes. For a person who is living, is not blind, does not have any obstacle in his vision, it means actual meeting. And then he says, and then he goes on to discuss an issue, in fact. He says, as for the issue of who will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Yawmul Qiyamah, he mentions there are three different views. There are three different views. There is a view that only the believers will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only the believers, the mu'minun. There is also a second view that when everybody is raised and is waiting to be judged, then the believers and the kuffar will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the kuffar will be veiled from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a second view, a second viewpoint. And the third point, third viewpoint is that the hypocrites will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as opposed to the kuffar. So the believers will see Allah and the hypocrites but not the not not the kuffar. These are three views, and Ibn al-Qayyim says that all three views can be found in the saying of Imam Ahmad and some of his companions. And Shaykh al-Islam, he says, has a lengthy discussion of this and looks at the proofs of each each group. However, the point that we take from all of these verses is that all of these verses, when it mentions al-liqa, it is a proof that the believers will see their Lord with the vision of the eyes. And then Ibn al-Qayyim, he brings another ayah in the Qur'an, in Surah uh, Al-Inshiqaq. Uh, surah Al-Inshiqaq is the 84th surah, verse number 6. And in this ayah, Allah says, Ya ayyuhal insan, innaka kadihun ila rabbika kadha famulaqih famulaqih Allah says, O man, you are indeed uh, you know, toiling and, and, and moving towards your Lord. You are toiling and striving towards your Lord. And then, فَمُلَاقِيح Then you will meet Him. Or, 
there's actually two meanings to this ayah because the mulaqih, the ha at the end, the pronoun at the end, if it refers back to a person's action, it means you will eventually meet up your, with your actions. You will see your actions. And if it refers back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means you will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is another ayah which is a proof of the same category here, which mentions the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the second set of proofs in the Qur'an. Every time we see in the Qur'an, in the Quran where it mentions the meeting with Allah, then this means seeing Allah with the vision of the eyes. The third proof in the Quran, or the third type of proof in the Quran, is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is Surah Yunus, Surah number 10, verse 25 to 26. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Wallahu yad'u ila daris salam, wa yahdi man yasha'u ila sirati mustaqeem, lilladhina ahsanu al-husna wa ziyadah. وَلَا يَرْحَقُ وُجُوهَهُمْ فَتَرٌ وَلَا ذِلَّةٌ أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ Allah says in this passage, And Allah, He invites and calls to the abode of peace, to Darus Salam, to the abode of peace. And He guides whomever He wills to the straight path. And to those who do good, they will have in return good. لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَى to those who do good, they will in turn receive good. وَزِيَادَةٌ And something additional. And then he says that their faces will neither be, uh, you know, no dust will cover their faces and nor will humiliation be upon their faces. There will not be any ignominy or humiliation on their faces. They are the people of paradise and they will abide therein forever. So here Ibn al-Qayyim says that in this ayah, when Allah says, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَى To those who do good, they will have in return, return al-husna. Al-husna here means al-jannah, paradise. And as for al-ziyadah, because Allah mentioned two things, they will have al-husna, which is jannah, and then they will have al-ziyadah, or ziyadah, which means looking at the face of Allah, the noble face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this explanation is what has come from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and a large group of the companions of Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he narrates the hadith from Imam Muslim in his Sahih, the hadith from Suhaib who said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he recited this ayah. لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَى وَزِيَادَةٌ And then he said, When the people of paradise enter paradise, and the people of hellfire enter hellfire, a caller will call and will say, يَا أَحْلَ الْجَنَّةِ إِنَّ لَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مَوْئِدًا O people of paradise, indeed you have a promise, a promise with your Lord. And he wishes to fulfill this promise. So they will say, they will say, what is this? Has Allah not already made heavy our scales? Has he not already illuminated our faces, made our faces white and bright? Has he not entered, his, entered us into paradise? And has he not saved us from the fire? So they are thinking after all of this, you know, after all of these rewards and, and benevolences from Allah, they are, they are thinking, what else can there be after this? And then he says, وَيَكْشِفُ الْحِجَابَ فَيَنْظُرُونَ اللَّهَ فَمَا أَعْطَاهُمْ شَيْئًا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّظَرِ إِلَيْهِ وَهِيَ الزِّيَادَةِ So Allah says, so Allah's Messenger, He says, so then He will remove the veil, the cover, and then they will look at Allah, and He will not have given them anything more beloved to them than looking towards him. And this is the ziyadah. So this hadith is very clear and explicit in Sahih Muslim that the meaning of this ayah, the meaning of this word ziyadah is looking at their Lord 
on Yawmul Qiyamah after they've been entered into paradise. Then we also have, a, he brings a number of other, many other narrations, we'll mention them here. Uh, the narration from Anas bin Malik, that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa was asked about this ayah, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ وَزِيَادَةِ And he said, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْعَمَلَ فِي الدُّنْيَا الْحُسْنَ وَهِيَ الْجَنَّةِ وَزِيَادَةُ وَهِيَ النَّذَرُ إِلَى وَجْهِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى those, those who do good, this means action in the life of this world. And they will have al-husna, which is paradise. And al-ziyada is looking at the face of their Lord, the Most High. This is narrated by Ibn Manda in his book Al-Raddal al-Jahmiyyah and Al-Lalaka'i in his, in his compilation. And likewise we have Al-Tabari ta'ala, in his tafsir. He brings some other narrations uh, from Ubay bin Ka'ab. Who said, I asked the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about the ziyada in the Book of Allah. What is this ziyada mentioned in the Book of Allah? In the ayah, Alladina Ahsanul Husna wa Ziyada. And he said, Al Husna al Jannatu wa Ziyadatu an Nadaru ila wajhillahi azza wa jal. Again the same same meaning. Husna means paradise. And al ziyada means looking at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then there are numerous other narrations from them, is the hadith, or what is narrated from Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, radiyallahu anhu, who said, إِذَا كَانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ يَبْعَثُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى إِلَىٰ أَحْلِ الْجَنَّةِ مُنَادِيًا يُنَادِي That when it is يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ, the Day of Judgment, Allah will send to the people of paradise a caller and he will call out. So the people will hear someone calling on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Has Allah fulfilled what he promised to you? So then they will look at whatever Allah has prepared for them of the karama, of, you know, of all of the, you know, the, the honor and the, the rewards and so on and so forth. And they will say, فَيَقُولُونَ They will all say, نَعَمْ Allah has indeed, He has fulfilled His promise to us. So then this caller, He will then call, then He will say to them, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَى وَزِيَادَةِ To those who do good, there will be good, and something in addition. And this is, النَّذَرُ إِلَىٰ وَجْهِ الرَّحْمَانِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ And this is looking at the face of Ar-Rahman Azza wa Jal. Meaning this is, the saying of a Sahabi, it is Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, confirming the same explanation of this verse. Then we have another narration uh, from, from, the, from the Isnad ibn al-Mubarak, from Abu, Abu, Abu Bakr al-Hudli, from Abu Tamima, who said, I heard Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, again the same companion, and he was giving a khutbah at the Grand Mosque in al-Basra. In Iraq, this is a companion in Iraq giving the khutbah, and again he narrates a similar hadith that Allah will send on Yom Al-Qiyamah an angel to the people of Paradise. The angel will say, "O people of Paradise, has Allah fulfilled the promise? What He promised to you?" And then they will start looking around. The people of Paradise will start looking around them, and they will see around them. They will see rivers. They will see pure you know, uh, spouses that they are married to, and they will say, Naam, yes, Allah has indeed fulfilled what He promised to us. Then an angel will say, the angel will say, has Allah fulfilled the promise to you? Has Allah fulfilled the promise to you? Has Allah fulfilled the promise to you? We'll say it three times. And each time they will look and they will, they will find that there's nothing missing from whatever they were promised. They will find everything, everything is there, and they will say, Naam, Allah is indeed fulfilled. And then the angel will say, Qad baqiya lakum shay'un. The angel will say, that something is left for you, there's something left. And he will say, Inna Allah azza wa jal yaqool, lilladheena ahsanu al-husna wa ziyadah, ala inna al-husna al-jannah, the angel will say that there is something indeed left for you. 
Allah the mighty and majestic, he says to those who do good, is good in return. Waziyada and something in addition. Indeed, Al-Husna is paradise and Az-Ziyada is looking at the face of Allah the Exalted. And also from Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu who explained this ayah, he said, أَمَّا الْحُسْنَى فَالْجَنَّةِ أَمَّا الزِّيَادَةِ فَالنَّذَرُوا إِلَى وَجْهِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى So he says, as for Al-Husna, it is paradise, and as for the Ziyada, it is looking at the face of Allah the Most High. So these are some examples of narrations that Ibn Al-Qayyim brings from some of the companions. And then he says, we also have from others, uh, from the uh, Tabi'een, uh, Abdurrahman bin Abi Layla, Amir bin Sa'ad, Ismail bin Abdurrahman, As-Sudi, uh, Ad-Dahak, and then he mentions many of many other names, Qatada, uh, Sa'id bin Al-Musayyib, Hassan al-Basri, Ikrimah, the Mola of Ibn Abbas, Mujahid, all of these are from the, from the Tabi'een, the scholars of the Tabi'een. And all of them, it is narrated from them that Al-Husna is paradise and Al-Ziyada is looking at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, some of the Salaf, if you remember the first verse that we mentioned, if you remember the verse that we mentioned earlier on, uh, in the verse where we said, that to those who do good is good and a ziyada in return that Allah after say, after this verse he said wala fatarun wala that there will be no dust covering their faces nor any humiliation so some of the salaf they said what this means is that once they have looked at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then no humiliation will cover their faces nor will any dust cover their faces so this now is a third type of proof in the Qur'an. The first proof in the Qur'an was the saying of Musa alayhi salam, asking Allah to reveal himself to, to, to Musa. The second type of proof is the, whenever we have in the, in the Qur'an, meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, liqa with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third type of proof is the proof which mentions the ziyada, the addition on top of paradise, which is the seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we can see from the tafsir of the messenger of Allah, and the sahaba radiallahu anhum, and the tabi'een. This is something that the salaf are agreed upon. Then we have a fourth type of evidence, and this evidence is in Suratul Mutaffifin, which is the 83rd surah, surah number 83, and this is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, كَلَّا إِنَّهُمْ عَرَّبِّهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ لَمَحْجُوبُونَ Allah says, but no, they will indeed be veiled from their Lord. Speaking here about the disbelievers, that they will be veiled from their Lord. Al-Mutafifin, verse number 15, 83 verse 15. What is the angle of evidence from this Ibn al-Qayyim says? He says, وَوَجْهُ الْإِسْتِدْلَالِ بِهَا أَنَّهَا أَنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى جَعَلَ مِنْ أَعْذَمِ مِنْ أَعْذَمِ عُقُوبَةِ الْكُفَّارِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the most severe punishment for the disbelievers is that they will be mahjubeen. They will be veiled from seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from hearing His speech. This is the greatest punishment. And then he says, Had the believers, this is the angle of evidence now, this is how we extract the evidence from this ayah. If the believers were not to see their Lord, and were not to hear his speech, then they too would be mahjubeen. They too would be veiled from their Lord. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he restricted this veiling only to the, to the kuffar. And so the evidence from this ayah is that in contrast to the kuffar, the believers will indeed see their Lord. Will indeed see their Lord because they are not veiled from Him. And then he says, uh, So he says, Imam al-Shafi'i, this is the evidence used by Imam al-Shafi'i from this ayah. And many others from the scholars. Then he brings some narrations from Imam Al-Muzani, 
a student of Imam Shafi rahimullah who says, Samitu Shafi'i Yaqul fi qawlihi azza wa jal Kalla innahum arrabbihim yawma idhil mahjubun Fiha dalilun ala anna awliya allahi yarawna rabbahum yawma al-qiyamah He says from al-Shafi'i, he said regarding this ayah that we mentioned earlier on This ayah has an, is, is an evidence that the friends of Allah, the pious friends of Allah Will see their Lord on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, on the Day of Judgment. And likewise, another narration from Ar-Rabi' bin Suleiman, who said, I attended in the, the gathering of Ibn Idris al-Shafi'i, and a question had come to him, مَا تَقُولْ فِي قَوْلِ اللَّهِ أَزَّ وَجَلْ What did you say about this ayah in the Qur'an? فَقَالَ الشَّافِعِي Al-Shafi'i said, لَمَّا أَنْ حَجَبَ هَؤُلَاءِ فِي السَّخَطِ كان في هذا دليل على أن أولياءه يرونه في الردا. الشافعي says that when those people have been veiled from Allah due to the anger of Allah, then this is an evidence that his awliya, his pious friends, they will see him in the state of pleasure. Meaning they will they will see Allah. Whilst Allah is pleased with them. So Allah veils the people because He's angry with them. And Allah reveals Himself to a people because, they, because He is pleased with them. Meaning He allows them to see Him and does not veil them. And then the questioner said, O oh, Abu Abdullah, do you speak with this? Meaning, do you speak with this belief? And he said, Naam. With this do I worship Allah. And he says, if Muhammad ibn Idris, meaning himself, did not have certainty that he will see his Lord, then he would not have worshipped Allah Azza wa Jal. So in other words, it is from the certainty of a servant of Allah that he is going to meet his Lord. Otherwise there is no meaning to him worshipping his Lord. Because seeing his Lord is the ultimate reward and the ultimate goal. And... Uh, so this is the fourth type of proof. The fourth type of proof is the hijab, the veil that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put in front of the disbelievers and which will, which will remove from the believers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. The fifth evidence is similar to the third evidence. The fifth evidence is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal لَهُمْ مَا يَشَاءُونَ فِيهَا وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٌ لَهُمْ مَا يَشَاءُونَ فِيهَا وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٌ This is Surah Qaf, the 50th Surah, verse number 35. Allah says, this is speaking about the people of paradise, when they've entered paradise, they will have whatever they wish. Whatever they wish therein, they will have. وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٌ And to us, there is, and with us, there is something Additional, something more. And so At-Tabarani, he brings, uh, he, he mentions that Ali bin Abi Talib wa Anas ibn Malik, these are companions of Allah's Messenger Ali and Anas, they said, huwa nazaru ila wajhillahi azza wa jal. Wa qalahu min at-tabi'ina Zayd ibn Wahbin wa ghayruh. And likewise, others from the tabi'een, they also said this, that the mazid in this ayah, is looking at the face of Allah Azza wa Jal. So we see that this verse agrees completely with the previous verse. The previous verse was, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَى وَزِيَادَةً To those who do good, will be good. Paradise, and something additional which is looking at Allah's face. And in this ayah Allah says, لَهُمَّا يَشَاءُونَ فِيهَا They will have whatever they wish therein, where? In paradise. وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٌ and with us is something additional. So the two verses are exactly the same. Paradise and looking at the face of Allah in that verse. And paradise and looking at the face of Allah in this verse. The sixth evidence is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Suratul An'am. Surah number 6 verse 103. So now with this one, pay some attention to this one. Because this ayah is one of those verses which is used by Ahlul Bidah, by the Jahmiyyah, by the Mu'tazila. And they use this verse to 
to prove Allah will not be seen. Whereas Ahlul Sunnah use this verse to prove Allah will be seen. So in this ayah, Allah says, لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار This ayah means that the visions do not encompass him. But he encompasses all visions. So, we need to pay attention to this verse. And uh, inshallah, the meaning will become clear. So notice, pay attention to the words which are used. La تُدْرِكُهُ absar. The word used is idrak. Idrak. Idrak meaning to encompass, to surround and see entirely, to encompass. So we have two words. There is ru'ya, which is simply to see. And there is idrak. Idrak, which is to encompass with one's vision. Right? They are two separate things. So in this ayah, Allah negates that the visions of the people are able to encompass him. This is what is being negated. So Ibn al-Qaim, he says... He goes on to address this whole issue. He says, he says that when we when we deduce evidence from this verse that Allah will be seen, it is from the most amazing, you know, it's from the most amazing types of, you know, the way that we deduce evidence from this verse. He says the reason is because this is also one of the evidences of those who negate Allah will be seen. It's strange. How can we how can we be using the same verse to prove two totally opposite things. This is ajib. So he says that our Shaykh, and he means Shaykh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimullah, our Shaykh, he says, he explains something very, very good and very subtle. He says, uh, never does a person who is a mubdil, never, do is a, never does a person who is, you know, someone who is a falsifier. Never does he bring an ayah, a verse in the Qur'an. And nor does he bring a hadith which is sahih to argue for his falsehood, except that in that very same ayah or hadith is that which nullifies his saying, that which invalidates his saying. And he says, from those examples is this very verse. So in other words, Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, Ibn Taymiyyah has, is saying from his experience that whenever Ibn Taymiyyah, he looked at the arguments of, 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 the, of the falsifiers and of the innovators and they brought arguments, he came to the conclusion after all of this experience with these people that never does any one of these people bring an ayah from the Qur'an or a hadith which is authentic to prove his falsehood except that in the very same ayah and the very same hadith is in fact the opposite of what he's claiming, and a falsification of what he's, what he's claiming. And this ayah is one of those such examples. And he says that this verse, in fact it proves the permissibility of seeing Allah more than it proves the impossibility of Allah being seen. And he says because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentioned... This ayah, if we look at the context of this ayah, Allah, this ayah comes in the context of Allah being praised, Allah praising Himself. So if we look at what comes before this ayah, what, becomes, what comes after this ayah, we see Allah is praising Himself. And it is known, and this is a great point that Ibn Taymiyyah mentions here, uh, that Ibn Al-Qayyim mentions here, sorry, because this is his speech, he says, it is known... That, that praise, when Allah is praised, Allah is only praised when there are affirmative descriptions given for Him. This means when there are, when there are positive things, affirmative things being mentioned about Him. What does it mean? Let me quickly explain. It means, for example, that when Allah says He's all-seeing, this is something Allah affirms for Himself, that He's all-seeing. And in this is a praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas if we said, Allah is not blind, Allah is not blind, and we start speaking with this type of negative language, Allah is not blind, Allah is not deaf, 
in this type of language, there is no praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we start using all of this negative language, Allah is not just, Allah is not blind, Allah is not deaf, Allah is not this, Allah is not this, Allah is not this. And we start using all these negations, this isn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't comprise praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the point that Ibn al-Qayyim is saying here is, that it is known that praise is only contained when we make positive affirmations, right? When we say Allah is such and such, Allah is all hearing, Allah is all seeing, Allah is all knowing, Allah is all wise, Allah is just. This is something which involves the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as for when something is negated from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it must, it must point to the exact opposite. In other words, whenever we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negating something from himself in the Quran, it always points to the opposite which is perfection. And then he gives a series of examples. So he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he negated from himself a sinner one known in Ayatul Kursi. Didn't he say, La ta'khuduhu sinatun wala known? That, you know, weariness or sleep and slumberness does not overtake him. But at the same time, this points to what? His complete qayyumiyyah. That he is completely in charge and in control of everything. He, by him does the creation, you know, exist and subsist. By him does the creation subsist. He is Al-Qayyum. So, when Allah negated a sinner well known from himself, it points to the opposite of that. Likewise, he says, when he negated death from himself, it points to the opposite, which is the perfection of his life. Kamalul Hayat, the perfection of his life. Likewise, when he negates from him, Al-Lughub, وَمَا مَسَّنَا مِنْ لُغُوب When he negates from himself this Lughub and Al-I'ya, which means that Allah, that Allah is not um, rendered incapable. He's not incapable. It points to the opposite, which is his perfect Qudra, his power and his ability. Likewise, when he negated a sharik in the Quran, he negates a partner, and a sahiba, and a spouse, and a walad, which is a son, and a zahir, which is an equal. He negated all of these from himself. All of that points to what? The perfection in his rububiyyah, and his ilahiyyah, and his domination, and his power. And negate, and you know, so he points to all of these things. Likewise, when he negates from himself, al-akal wa sharr, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, you know eating and drinking, then this points to the perfection of his samadiyah and his ghinah, meaning that he is free of need of everything. And likewise, when he negated a shafa'ah, that there will not be any shafa'ah on Yom Al-Qiyamah without his permission, then this points to the perfection in his tawheed and his being free of need from his creation. Likewise, when he negates dhulm from himself, dhulm which is oppression, then it points to the perfection of his adal, his justice, his ilm. And likewise, when he negates from himself an-nisyan, forgetfulness, and uzub, this at the same time points to his perfect knowledge and completely encompassing in knowledge all of his creation. And when he negates from himself a likeness, a likeness, a mythal, then this at the same time comprises him being perfect in his essence and in his attributes. Why has Ibn al-Qayyim given all of these examples? All of these are examples in the Qur'an. All of these negations Allah has made in the Qur'an. We see that in every single example where Allah has made a negation, it comprises and includes the opposite which is, the, which is a perfection. So the point being, that Allah has never praised Himself with something which is just pure negation. Do you understand? So all of these things which Allah negated from Himself, it is not just pure negation. Why? Because then, as Ibn al-Qayyim says, we would be likening, you know, this would be the same as likening Allah to pure non-existence. Right? So it's as if 
if we were to say that, for example, Allah is not blind, Allah is not deaf, Allah, you know, we 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 are, we are likening Allah to other things that also have these negations, you know. So uh, uh, it, it it it's something that doesn't really comprise praise of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So then he continues and he says that the meaning of this verse therefore is, in light of all of these examples that he's giving, given, what is the meaning of this verse then? The meaning of this ayah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will be seen, فَإِذِنْ الْمَعْنَى أَنَّهُ يُرَى وَلَا يُدْرَكْ وَلَا يُحَاطُ بِهِ so he says the meaning is that Allah will be seen, but he will not be encompassed. We will not encompass him in vision. And he says, and then he goes on to bring all of the verses. He says, Allah says, Allah is making a negation. Not even an atom is hidden from your Lord. But this means at the same time that Allah knows every single thing. Allah says, وَمَا مَسَّنَا مِنْ لُغُوبِ That no weariness or tiredness touched us, overcame us. And this means the opposite, that He is perfect in His Qudra. Allah says, وَلَا يَظْلِمُ رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا Your Lord does not wrong anyone. He made a negation of, of, of dhulm. And this means that He is perfect in His justice. Allah says, لَا تَأْخُذُهُ سِنَةٌ وَلَا نَوْمٌ No sleep or slumber overtakes Him. This means he's perfect in his qayyumiyyah. And then he said, لا تدركه الأبصار So here is the negation. The visions will not encompass him. What is Allah negating here? What is Allah negating? It is Allah is negating that the eyes, the visions will be able to encompass Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in vision. Why? Because he is وَأَنَّهُ أَكْبَرُ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ Allah is bigger than all things. He is mighty than all things. He is more mighty than a person should be able to make idraq, should be able to encompass him in his vision. Because idraq is to completely encompass in vision, to complete, completely surround in vision. And this is something that is not uh, possible. And then he continues to bring more evidences. And then he brings the statement of Ibn Abbas, who said about this ayah, لَا تُحِيطُ بِهِ الْأَبْسَارِ Ibn Abbas said that the visions will not encompass him. And likewise, Qatada, he said, هُوَ أَعْذَمُ مِنْ أَن تُدْرِكَهُ الْأَبْسَارِ That Allah is more great than that the visions should be able to encompass him. And likewise, Atiyah, he said, يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَلَا تُحِيطُ أَبْسَارُهُمْ بِهِ مِنْ عَذَمَتِهِ and he says that they will look towards Allah, but their visions will not encompass him due to, due to his mightiness and his greatness. So then Ibn Qayyim he says, فَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ يَرَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى بِأَبْسَارِهِمْ إِيَانًا وَلَا تُدْرِكُهُ أَبْسَارُهُمْ بِمَعْنَى أَنَّهَا لَا تُحِيطُ بِهِ إِذَا كَانَ غَيْرُ جَائِزٍ أَنْ يُوسَفَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ بِأَنَّ شَيْءٍ يُحِيطُ بِهِ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُحِيط so he says, the believers will see the Lord, Taala, with the vision of their eyes, and their visions will not encompass him with the meaning that they will not you know, surround him and encompass him in knowledge, because this is not permissible, that Allah should be described with that something can encompass him in vision. So this was the next type of evidence, which is the sixth type of evidence. And now we move to the seventh type of evidence in the Quran and this is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in uh, Surah Al-Qiyamah in Surah Al-Qiyamah and this is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wujuhun yawma idhin nadirah ila rabbiha nadirah faces on that day will be pleasant or illuminated bright Looking towards their Lord. Looking towards their Lord. Sheikh says that if you look at this ayah, 
you see that this ayah is very clearly calling and explicitly stating that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be seen ayanan with the vision of the eyes on the day of judgment. And he says, and he makes a very important point, he says, if you insist, if you're going to insist on making tahrif of this verse, if you're, going to, if you're going to start playing around and start interpreting these verses, like what the, what the Jahmiyyah do, and the Ash'aris do, and the Maturidis do, they start playing around with this, with this verse. They start saying, this, isn't, this is not the vision of the eyes, and it, doesn't mean, it means not in a direction. You know, they start bringing all these interpretations. So the point that Ibn al-Qaim is making here is, and it's a very, very deep and profound point as well. He says that if these people are going to come along and they start insisting in making ta'wil of all of these ayat in the Quran, okay, ziyada means such and such. It doesn't mean seeing Allah. Mazid means such and such. It doesn't mean seeing Allah. You know, faces, you know, ila rabbiha nazira. It doesn't mean looking towards the Lord. It means something else. The meeting with the Lord doesn't mean meeting, you know, that means the meeting in the language. So they start interpreting all of these verses and making tahrif. Now, if you open up this door, then this means that you can also apply the same ta'wil, the same interpretations, the same distortions. You can apply them to everything else in the Qur'an. Why is this? Because these verses are relating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his attributes. Right? The verses of the attributes that these people, the Jahmiyyah, the Mu'tazila, the Ash'aris, Maturidis, they make ta'wil of these verses. So, if you have opened up the door to start distorting and explaining away these verses that relate to the greatest affair, which is belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then why do we stop there? Why can't we then go and start interpreting the verses of the resurrection? And the verses that relate to paradise? And the verses that relate to hellfire? And the verses that even relate to the rulings of the Sharia? Because this is exactly what happened in history. This is something that actually happened in history. When the Ash'aris came and they said, and the, the Maturidis came and the Mu'tazla came and they said, Al-Istiwa doesn't mean Allah arose over the throne, it means Al-Istila, it means He conquered the throne. When Allah says, you know, that you will certainly meet your Lord, it doesn't mean you will see Him with the vision of the eyes, it means something else. So when these people began to interpret all of these verses, Allah's hand means His Qudra, His power. Allah's face means His countenance. Allah's love and pleasure means his intent to reward, but it doesn't actually mean that he loves and is pleased, right? When they began to systematically go to, go to each of these verses and, uh, verses and start nullifying them and explaining them away, then two other groups of people came along. The first group of people are the people who are the mutafalsifa, those philosophers who the Ahlul Kalam were arguing with. They were arguing with the philosophers. These philosophers were saying, matter is eternal. There was no creation. Matter is eternal. There was no active creation that took place. Matter has always been there. Likewise, they said, there is no resurrection. There is no bodily resurrection. This is what the philosophers were saying. So, Ibn Sina, Al-Farabi, you know, the likes of these people. So, these philosophers, when they saw the Ash'aris and Maturidis, turning to the Qur'an and saying Allah being above does not mean above in His essence, it means aboveness in His rank, in His, in his position, in His rank. Okay? And then they saw them doing the same with all the other verses or the attributes. So then, now look at the evil here. So then these philosophers, Ibn Sina al-Farabi, they said, to the, to the mutakallimun, the Ahlul Kalam, they said, just like you people are making ta'wil of the verses of the attributes, and you say, for example, that Allah being above 
does not mean aboveness in his essence. And, you know, then likewise we will make ta'wil of all of the verses in the Qur'an that imply that Allah came before the creation. Do you understand? So when, when Allah says Allah created the seven heavens and the earth, it implies Allah came before the creation, right? So they said, Allah being before is not a before in his essence. It is a before in his rank. Do you understand? Right? So we say, like the Ash'ari say, gold is above silver. What does that mean? It means gold is better than silver, right? This is the argument they bring against us. And they say, Allah being above doesn't mean above in his, in his essence. It is aboveness in rank. Like we say, the gold coin is above the silver coin. So the philosophers said to them the same thing. They said, well, we say the gold coin is before the silver coin. Do you understand? The gold coin is before the silver coin. So Allah is before the creation of the heavens and the earth in the sense that He is superior and you know, of greater rank than the heavens and the earth. And this they used as an argument to prove that the matter is eternal with Allah. Because what they say, they say, that the philosophers, they say, if Allah exists, the universe must exist. Do you understand? Allah's existence necessitates the universe must exist. So because Allah is eternal, then therefore matter is eternal. The universe has always existed because it is, it is necessary to Allah's existence. Right? This is what they say. So then they said, you make ta'wil of the verses of the attributes. Thank you very much. We will make ta'wil of the verses of creation and resurrection. And resurrection. So they said, there is no bodily resurrection. People will not be resurrected with their bodies. Yes, maybe the souls will be resurrected, but not the bodies. Yeah, do you understand? So in other words, and, and this is actually what Ibn Sina says, Ibn Sina in one of his books, he says that if making ta'wil of the attributes of Allah is something that you people do, and this is from the greatest pillar and foundation of the deen of Islam, then why can't we do it for creation, resurrection, paradise, and hellfire? And so the Ash'aris have no answer to this. They've, they've never had an answer to this. And then, so now this is the second group of people. Now we have a third group of people come along. These people are the Batiniyya. These are the people who came, they concealed kufr, disbelief. They were really people who took um, the belief of the, uh, the fire worshippers, the Persians, and they took the belief of some of the people, they mixed it together, they merged these beliefs together. And then they thought, okay, now, this kufr, what's the best way that we can uh, come to the Muslims? And they thought, well, the easiest way really is to come through the angle of Shiism. Right? Because Shiism, first of all, people naturally they have an affinity to the Ahlul Bayt. And number two, the, the Shias in general, the commoners are really the most dumb of people anyway. So we'll take and this is actually what they this is actually what they what they I'm not making this up, this is actually what they what uh, is mentioned about them. So they thought that Shiism as a veil is the best route, right? Best angle. Right? So let's take the veil of Shiism. And we will come to the Muslims from the angle of loving the Ahlul Bayt and being Shia. Whereas inwardly we're actually concealing this kufr. Right? So these people are known as the Batiniyya and the Qaramita. Different names all refers to the same, same thing. The Qaramita, the Batiniyya. They came along and they saw all of these people. They saw the Ahlul Kalam distorting and playing with the verses of the attributes. Right? Then they saw the Mutafalsifa. They saw them playing and distorting the verses that do that relate to the creation and the resurrection. So they said, thank you very much. We will do the same with the verses of the ahkam, of the rulings. Why? Because the, the batiniya, these are people who believe that the Qur'an has a zahir and it has a batin. This is, this is the kufr of the, of the batiniya. They said that there is an apparent meaning of the Qur'an this is for all the dumb village people. This is what they read from the Quran. They see in the Quran, pray, fast, be good to your parents. You know, Allah, there, there is paradise, there is hellfire, there's resurrection, there's creation. 
This is what the dumb, dumb people, this is what they see in the Qur'an. That's just for those people, the dumb commoners. But we people, meaning themselves, we are the smart, shrewd people who know the actual realities, right? There are hidden meanings in the Qur'an. There is a batin to the Qur'an. And so they said that the, that the, that the prayer, for example, the meaning of the salah, isn't what the people think it to be, the salah, the prayer, like, you know, the five prayers. It actually means the names of the, it means the, um, you know, the, 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 it means the names of our elite people, right? The names of our elite people. It means the names of the righteous people in whatever, the names of our scholars, right? And as for the, 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 um, uh, the fasting, the fasting doesn't mean, you know, fasting the... You know, keeping away from food and drink actually means hiding our secrets, concealing our secrets. And as for the Hajj, the Hajj doesn't mean going to you know, the Kaaba or whatever. It actually means making pilgrimage to our scholars, going to see our scholars. This is this is the meaning of pilgrimage. Do you understand? So they systematically went through every obligation and gave it a batin, a hidden, esoteric, secret meaning. Right, and by this they systematically nullified all the obligations and the prohibitions in the Sharia, to such a degree that even those things that Allah made haram, like the relationships which are haram, you know, between, uh, you know, between uh, sisters and mothers and so on and so forth, even abolished all of those affairs. Right, they abolished the entire Sharia. Why did they do this? Because they said, well, you know. In meaning, they said, well, the Ahlul Kalam, meaning Ash'aris, Maturidis, you are distorting the verses of the attributes. And the Mutafalsifa, you are distorting the verses of paradise, hellfire, creation, resurrection. So what crime is it upon us if we distort the verses to do with the, with the legislation? Because this is the least of all things, right? The Ahkam, they are from the, you know, they follow on. From the usul, a belief in Allah, belief in His attributes, and then after that we have belief in the unseen, paradise, hellfire, re- you know, the, the resurrection, the creation. So if it's permissible for all of those things, what crime is it upon us if we make ta'wil and tahrif of the salah, the sadaqa, the zakah, the hajj, the prohibitions in, in marriage, and all of, all of the prohibition of alcohol, the prohibition of dead meat? What harm is it upon us if we do that? No harm. So you see how opening up this door led to all of this of this evil. And that's the point that Ibn al-Qayyim has made here when he says, you know, that if you want to make if you want to start distorting this verse, then you know, start distorting all the other verses, the verses of resurrection, creation. There'll be no end. You can you can abolish the entire Sharia by way of this. And you can open the door for every single mubdil to come along and to start distorting this, this verse. Anyway, we'll conclude with the deducing the evidence from this ayah. How is this ayah an evidence? Evidence is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, first of all, He mentioned faces, wujuhun, wujuhun, faces. Then He said, they will be illuminated or bright. Ila rabbiha nadira. They will be looking towards their Lord. So the evidence here is that this word nadar in Arabic, word nazar, it can be mentioned in three different ways in the Qur'an. There are three different ways this word can be used. The first word is when it is used on its own without an object. Right? It is, it's غير متعدن. It's متعدن to itself. Then the meaning is to wait. Al-intidhar. The meaning is wait. An example in the Quran is when the hypocrites say, Unduruna naktabis min nurikum. Unduruna naktabis min nurikum. It means the hypocrites say, Wait for us, wait for us, so that we may take from your light. Right? So the same root, nazar, is used. Here it means wait for us, al intidhar. Because there is no object to this verb, right? It, it's muta'addi to itself. There's no object involved here. 
Here the meaning in the Arabic language means to wait, al-intidhar. Then when we see in the Quran, this word is used, it's used with the particle fi, fi, fi. Allah says, أَوَلَمْ يَنْظُرُوا فِي مَلَكُوتِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Do they not look in the heavens and the earth? What this means here now is to reflect. This now is al-i'tibar, al-tafakkur wal-i'tibar, to think and to reflect. This is the meaning here, when it, whenever, whenever it is used with fi, with fi. And the third way it is used is when it is used with the particle ila. Ila, ila means to or towards. So an example here is in this ayah or in another ayah. Unzuru ila thamarihi ida athmar. So Allah is saying, look at its fruits when it bears the fruits. Allah is commanding, look at the fruits when it bears its fruits. So these are three ways in which this, this root word, nazar, is used in the Quran. It can either mean to wait for, to wait, or it can either mean to reflect and think, al-i'tibar, when it is used with the particle fi, or it can mean to look towards with the vision of the eyes, when it is used with ila, with ila. Now when we look at this ayah, So these are the three ways that this word nazar is used in the Qur'an. And depending on how it is mentioned in the, in the Qur'an, it will provide a different meaning. Either it can mean to wait for, or it can mean to reflect, or it can mean to see with the vision of the eyes. So here in this ayah, when you look in this ayah, there are, there are numerous indications in this ayah that clearly prove that it refers to the vision of the eyes. First of all, Allah says, Allah mentioned faces, wujuhun, wujuhun. Clearly, the faces are where the vision is, you know, exists for, for mankind. And then secondly, the word ila was used. Ila rabbiha nadira, looking towards its Lord. So all of this is very clear and very explicit that it is speaking about the vision of the eyes looking towards their Lord. And then we see that this tafsir has come from the Sahaba, from the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, from Abdullah bin Umar, and he narrates this from the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, uh, that wujuhun yawma idhin nadira, the Messenger said, min al bahai wal husn, they will be looking at their Lord, uh, sorry, their faces will be, will be Nadira, which means pleasant and good. Ila Rabbiha Nadira, fi wajhillahi azzawajal. They will be looking towards the face of Allah, the mighty majestic. The same is from Ibn Abbas. Tanzuru ila wajhi Rabbiha. The visions will be looking towards their Lord. And likewise, Ikrima, he said, Tanzuru ila Rabbiha Nadaran. They will be looking towards their Lord with, with a vision. And likewise, Ibn Abbas, narrated from him as well. 
and from the people of the Sunnah and the Hadith. So these are seven evidences from the Quran, from the Quran, that the believers will indeed see their Lord, and it is the greatest of the rewards of the people of Paradise. And this is something that the Jahmiyyah denied, and you can understand why the Salaf, why they took such a stern and severe position against these people. Why? Because if you think about it, what is it, what is it that motivates a person in his iman? It is that he wants to see his Lord on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. This is the ultimate reward that a person is seeking on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Now, if these people come along and they start to erode this belief in the hearts of the people, where they start undermining the ru'ya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what they are really doing is that they are undermining the faith, the iman in the hearts of the people, and their aspiration to wanting to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in fact, these people, when you see how they describe this Lord that they allegedly believe in, that this Lord is neither in the universe, nor outside the universe, is neither above, not below, not to the left, not to the right, and cannot be pointed at, is not a body, is not an attribute, is not this, is not this, is not in a place, not in a location, not in, and they, they use all of these words to describe their Lord, then really what they are describing is something that is closer to non-existence than actual existence. And so when you start speaking of a Lord with these terms, and you start denying that Allah is above His throne above the seven heavens, that he will be seen in the hereafter with the vision of the eyes, and you, that you deny that he speaks, and you deny that he becomes pleased and becomes angry, then all of this is eroding in the heart of a believer whatever motivation he has to seek the pleasure of his Lord, keep away from the anger of his Lord, to want to see his Lord. Right? right? So this is eroding the iman in the hearts of the believers. And that's why these issues, as we, as we say, and we keep saying, why do we keep speaking about these issues? These issues are the life. They are a fountain for the faith, for the iman in the heart of a believer. And those people who deny these affairs, the world is full of these people. Jahmiya, Ash'ariya, Maturidiya. And they undermine and erode the likes of these affairs of belief. So, with that, we conclude uh, today's lesson. Inshallah ta'ala, in the next lesson, maybe we will look at some of the shubahat, some of the doubts, and then we can move on to the issue of an-nuzul. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.